Welcome to Leadership Stuff. This podcast is a production of Life Connection Ministry International, and I'm the host, Bishop Tim Daly, the president and co-founder. Leadership Stuff is dedicated to pastors, ministers, and spiritual leaders who are actively involved in ministry. It is our prayer that this podcast will bring encouragement, insight, and spiritual support to those who are serving on the front lines of ministry. We will try to accomplish this through practical teaching, interviews with leaders who are impacting their communities, and heart-to-heart talks about issues that are affecting the church today. Don't forget to check out our website on a regular basis. It is www.lcminetwork.com. Here you will find out about upcoming events, important announcements, video teachings, available books and material, and information about our Fellowship of Churches. Thank you for joining us today. This is Season 2 and Episode 2 of Leadership Stuff. I'm very excited today to have the opportunity of interviewing two of my favorite people. I have with me Pastor Aaron Daly, who is the second of my six sons, and Pastor Wayne Winter. These gentlemen are lead pastors at Redemption Church Alhambra in Phoenix, Arizona. This happens to be the church that I personally attend when I am at our home in Phoenix. It has been a privilege to sit under the ministry of these two men and call this our church family here in the USA. So I pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this interview. And I know that God has something special for you and that what these men have to say will be an encouragement to you. This interview is a little longer than normal but I just cannot bring myself to split it into two sessions. So let's pray and then join the conversation. Father, thank you for what you have in store for us. Open our ears and our hearts to receive what you have today. Let these words bring encouragement to those who are listening. Holy Spirit, teach us from what they will share today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First, I want uh, Pastor Aaron, if you would kind of tell us a little about yourself and your family. Well, everybody knows Big Dad, Tim Daly. He's actually my dad. And so I'm really thankful for my mom and my dad and uh, the discipleship I received all these years. So, Dad, thank you so much for letting me be part of your family. And uh, for raising us so well, I just want to honor you guys for that. That has been one of the greatest joys of my life, my brothers. And uh, I get the joy of, we get to do brothers trips every year and all that kind of stuff. But uh, four of my brothers live here with us. So that's kind of fun. I am married to my best friend, uh, Dana. And uh, we've been married for 21 years, almost 22. And... uh, that's exciting. Or no, we're 20 years, almost 21. She's not going to like that. Um, or 
or it's one of those. It's Does in the twenties. It seems it's like in the twenties. It's in the twenties. I know that. It's it's, it's now twenty. Uh, I was this bad. It was exactly. I need to remember those. Uh-oh. I'm getting old though. Yeah. So I I got an excuse. Especially since you have a seventeen year old. Yes, son. and Dang. I have a seventeen year old son, Kyrus, all the way down. Every couple years, I have five children, two boys, Kyrus and Ezra, and three girls, Hadessa, Selah, and Aria. And uh, so I have a full house, and I'm really thankful for every one of them. And I get to pastor this local church here um, with my my closest friend, one of my closest friends, Wayne. And uh, we get to pastor with a group of elders. That's been a huge joy of life. Uh, there's six of us on the elder team, yeah. a bunch of incredible leaders, their wives. It's really a family around here, so that's been really fun. And then I get to work with a couple of organizations. I work for Redemption as a executive leader on their their team there and then I work for Surge which is a local network we can talk about that um, as kind of a church planting networking of church planters and then I get to work with City to City which is um, an international organization which is involved with church planting and mostly in building city movements across the uh, the globe, but I work for the northwest, uh, the northern America kind of sector. I run the southwest region, so I get to cover like Vegas and Albuquerque and uh, Denver and Utah and Phoenix and Tucson and kind of that whole southwest area. So that's a little bit about me and what I get to do with my family and my role here at the church and beyond that. Good. Well, I'm going to get to you in a minute, Wayne. I yep, want to yep. ask Aaron, could you explain the history of Redemption Church Alhambra and your role in its development? Because it wasn't always redemption. That's right. No. So we were a part of a church here in Phoenix called Phoenix Inner City Church at the time. And it was a beautiful congregation filled with a lot of people from the inner city. So it was gang members and uh, ex-prostitutes and, you know, the whole thing, drug addicts. Um, they came out of the Teen Challenge. I don't know if you know a ton about Teen Challenge or yeah. I don't even, I think yeah. it's international, so it might yeah, be it in different parts of the world, but they, they really help uh, men and women off, you know, kind of drug addiction and out of the past. So that church was planted out of Teen Challenge. When I came here, there was a lot of mess that kind of took place after being there two years. But my wife and I really fell in love with Phoenix and particularly the inner city of Phoenix. Yeah. We really feel called to be in places where there's not a lot of churches planted. So we call them forgotten neighborhoods. Um, and so there's a lot of places where churches are planted because it's a strategic move. There's a lot of neighborhoods that get church plants because they're growing neighborhoods. A lot of wealth is going there. And when church planting is talked about, it's often talked about how do we get to where it's growing and it's popping and and these suburbs are popping up across it. But in the inner cities, there's a, a, a church forsaken neighborhoods. And so... Um, we have felt called there, and so we went in the year of uh, 2002, and uh, the year our first son was born, so I can remember that. And uh, we planted um, 
out of a, kind of a broken church situation that had kind of fallen apart because of sin. And, and a group of us went and uh, planted. And over the years, it has changed drastically, it changed theologically, it's changed philosophically, missionally. Um, the emphasis have been the change, but the Lord has sustained it yeah. and he's been gracious to us. And so over the years, as we replanted and merged in or were adopted into another church family, we've changed leadership structures and all those kind of things. But the Lord has been so gracious to us. And my wife and I um, were instrumental in just getting it planted. So how many years on. have you been with, with this church? 17 years. 17. Yeah, wow. 17 years. That's exciting because actually the longer term pastors are the ones that really see the, Yeah, it's proven that they're the ones that see the real growth and development of the, the church. Those are committed to long term. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, I don't even think you really start to see communities develop in a short period of time. No, right? not at all. So it takes it takes a long time. And then you, when you think about it, if you go into kind of already uh, sustained communities where there's a lot of wealth, yeah. people are farther along in their development and their education, and you have to do less development. When you go into neighborhoods where there's not a lot of money and not a lot of education, not a lot of resources, the development is even farther back of where they've been and the help and the resources they've got. So as a church, if you're planting in neighborhoods like ours, you kind of have to build in there like, you're not gonna get this done in a few years. You, oh, you've got to be yeah, here yeah. over the long haul and really press into it. You know, We have a lot of what's called drive-bys where people will drive by and kind of do um, shootings and, and, and kill people in our neighborhood. I call it drive-by evangelism where people will just come in, shoot out the gospel and then take off and go somewhere <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it doesn't work in neighborhoods like this. And you can't just, you cannot just drive by, spit out a message and think it's gonna take root. You have to get into building community and lives and, and that just takes a long time. Yes. And so I think some of the fruit that we're seeing 17 years later, is directly connected to just being here for a long time. I don't think we've done much more than just stayed, you know. Well, and awesome. not only do you minister in the city, you live in the city. Yeah. And you live in your neighborhood. Yes. Which yeah. I think is a key. I know a lot of churches and pastors that um, pastor in one community but don't live there. Especially in neighborhoods like ours. As a matter of fact, the pastor I first worked for told me that. He said, you know, minister here but live outside of your neighborhood because you know it's dangerous so I, I would even think even a lot of pastors who are in neighborhoods like ours drive in just because of the danger of it and the economics of it but I, I do think the benefit is our family's here my kids go to school here yep, yep. Um, you know we all live close by even your heart, your heart and passion here. is here yeah, yeah. Well, explain the Redemption Church organization and how it operates as a whole and as local congregations, because you said earlier, earlier you came into or were adopted into Redemption organization. There are churches that exist in the valley here, correct? Yeah. So explain how Redemption operates and then how your local congregations operate. So I would say the best way for us to describe it is if you know anything about like Presbyterian politics, if you will, or church government, um, it functions 
highly like a, a Presbyterian model of church government. Local congregations with elders, with, um, with uh, deacons, leaders, every congregation is in and of itself a, a, a congregation. Um, they have their own leaders, their own pastors, their own budgets, if you will. Um, so they're self-propagating, they're um, self-sustained in, in a lot of ways. And some of them are supported depending on neighborhoods they're in. But they're just really deeply, deeply connected. And there's a leadership team that helps as kind of a presbytery. And I know in Kuwait, you guys have a, a presbytery. So it kind of functions in this very similar way to what you guys are doing there. A presbytery who kind of just, it's not in the, the minutia of the details of a family, but right. is there as a leadership body, uh, accountability, uh, culture, um, those kinds of things. And then we also function a little tighter um, than even just a presbytery um, in that we are one congregation. So we're a lot, we're a lot looser than what you would call like a multi-site where there's right. one video stream going to a lot of different um, things. I don't know if they have those across the world. I'm not sure. Well, we're called multi-congregation. Right. Thank you. Right. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's, it, it functions exactly like what I would say Life Connection does in Kuwait. So I, we do preaching collectives right. and we get together and we preach the same sermon series, which brings us together. We do leadership team meetings together. We're discipling one another. We do health pods. We care for, we do prayer times. We get our leaders together. We'll, we'll learn from one another. But then what we try to do is there's, there's a small central operations, right. which helps centrally, but then that, that then feeds and serves the local. So so, um, and then the local congregations are ones that are serving with uh, caring for their communities and that kind of stuff. So there's real tight unity and prayer and support. But each one of our congregations are very, very, just very different and shaped by their communities. So where they live, uh, the leadership they have. So those churches would be, we would say, it looks like redemption in that neighborhood under that leadership. Right. So redemption doesn't have like a... A, a strong, like, this is what it looks like no matter where you go. Yeah. We would say it looks like redemption, but it has to be looking like what a redemption would look like in that neighborhood right. under that leadership. And those two things are kind of the caveats of that. So if you went from redemption to redemption church, which there's nine of us, and, um, you know, we're continuing to pray about planting and uh, or birthing out churches and those kinds of things, but... There's nine congregations. They're all very unique. The leaders are unique, but deeply united and love one another. So that's, I don't know if that helps, yeah, but no, that's kind that's of good. where we're at. Uh, I think you're the only, uh, Redemption Alhambra is the only inner city one redemption. One other is a supported congregation, which is West Mesa. And that one is both low income, inner city, but it's also bilingual. Okay. So that one and both of our congregation and West Mesa are supported by the whole. So we do what is called kind of a, if you will, think of it this way, three congregations in sustainable communities will help support one congregation in an unsustainable community. Right, right. So that they're caring and, and, and connected. But then this, 
the communities that are unsustainable ones are also bringing the leverage of being in that community. Because uh, if we're going to be a, a community uh, like a church for the city, we have to be in all kinds of neighborhoods. So there is a connectedness. Um, they're a part of and, and care for and have buy-in. But there's two of us that are connected and um, helped by the whole in financial ways, but also in support and leadership. And then we also bring wisdom, expertise, leadership, um, and also just relationships in those neighborhoods so that the relationship becomes valuable. So Even in your other jobs that you are involved in, other ministry jobs, that you, you are helping inner city churches, plant right. churches. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So your heart and passion is obviously in that direction. Yeah. Um, either one of you, I, I want to introduce Wayne in just a minute, but I want to kind of understand the demographics of Alhambra and the surrounding community here in Phoenix where you're located. So I don't know if Wayne or Aaron, Wayne? <clears throat> yeah, so one thing that I love about the demographics here in, in Alhambra is, is like we have like the nations at our doorstep. There's so right. many different uh, kinds of, of, of people, even within the, the, the one block radius just around our church. If you would take a walk between that one block mm. radius and stuff, you would walk past um, a Muslim person and a Vietnamese person, or you'll walk, walk past um, African refugees, um, Mexican people, and like all these people are really concentrated right around here inside of this, this demographic. Uh, I think about working with one of the schools on an event that we was doing one time, and having to get um, the information translated seven different times uh. to be able to capture the demographics of all the different right. um, people that was represented at that school. So that's the, the demographic that's around in, around here that we uh, we end up influencing and have an opportunity to, to minister to. And economic-wise, uh. it's the one of the lowest. There's a couple of neighborhoods, and we're at the bottom of poverty and economics as far as what is brought into a neighborhood like this. A lot of working poor families living in one home together, um, kind of communal living. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, refugees. And then there's also yeah. what has changed a little bit is that there's a large university that has just grown over the last few years massive. Yes. And that has changed the demographics as gentrification or a little bit of like, let's move out of this neighborhood or buy up properties and that kind of stuff. So there's, it's an ever changing, but yeah. still at this point, it's low income and college kids don't bring a lot of income into no. the neighborhood, but it, it is like a, it's a low income, a lot of crime. It's a red zone yeah. on the map, on the crime map. Um, but it's also very much beautifully, you know, diverse in, yeah my, yeah, my wife and I, obviously, we live here in this community also, yeah. and um, we have the police helicopters over our house constantly. <laughs> um, in our compound, our housing area, condo area where we live, uh, we have Muslims, yeah. we mm -hmm. have uh, Asians, we have uh, people, I mean, a very diverse community just within the few units that are there. Seriously. So uh, this is a, a very um, 
diverse part of Phoenix and um, uh, changing, though, like yeah. you said, yeah. constantly with the light rail, with college, right. with everything that's happening around here. So what is the... First, let me just say, you share the lead role, lead pastoral role with Pastor Wayne. Yeah. And uh, so could you give <clears throat> us a brief testimony and tell us how and why you came to Redemption Church, Alhambra, Wayne? Yeah, sure. So with with me and my wife, like, I would have... I, we, we grew up Muslims. I was more like a homegrown Muslim. My wife was born into a Muslim uh, family, and we lived on the East Coast in, in New York. And when my wife's mom came to, to Jesus and moved to Arizona, eventually we moved out too, and, and she started going to a church. So I spent the first uh, 15 years um, as a believer going to um, a traditional African-American um church and in the city learning um, about God and um, and after some time being there feeling like the Lord was, was was moving out we wasn't sure what the Lord was was doing but was calling myself and my wife out and so we we came and we visited this church was life connection church and during that time um, just visiting and hearing, we was able to just really hear really clearly the Lord was saying, hey, this is home mm-hmm. for us. We wasn't sure what, like, what that was going to look like, uh, but uh, seeing like how um, the church was living into, um, living into the gospel and just really feeling called to just be a part of the process, and we just desired that. So that led to us making a decision to switch and, and working out what that process would look like, and eventually we came and we plugged in over here, just been been serving ever since. I think that was probably like six or seven years ago mm-hmm. that uh, we, we we came and started serving here. So, were you a pastor before? So, where I was at, I was uh, elder in training. Where uh-huh. I was at, uh-huh. and so basically, there the way how the how the system is set up. Um, you have you have elders and you have the elders that are um, in training that's being discipled by by them and they call those people ministers and stuff and basically we sat in with the elders on their meetings and I was over the um, education like t- teaching theology to right. the, on, on Wednesday night Bible studies and stuff I was over everything that had to do with with that when I was there. Basically, you can say this is a son in the house. He's been raised up here. Oh yeah, into the pastoral role. Mm-hmm. Like like in our churches, all of our guys pretty much are raised up right from inside the house. And um, I love that because they have the vision, the passion. They have the DNA. Yeah. Of what's what's going on there. And yeah. The call of God, also obviously, yeah. but um, those combinations are unstoppable. I, th- I think that's really powerful. So, praise God. Um, tell us about how this role works. So I don't know who wants to tell me how, because I don't know what's your titles. <laughs> Both of us are lead pastors. Lead pastors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's a shared role. So yeah. how how is that work? Yeah, I feel it, it works uh, a lot like a marriage um, where um, our different uh, giftings and, and abilities 
complement one another and support the other right. and stuff at the exact same time. And so a lot of that is, is is discerning and seeing the direction that God is both leading, how we can support one another, lift one another up, and then having like multiple eyes on 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 the body in general. So that's how a lot of what we do work and stuff. It feels a lot like a like a marriage world. Yeah. There's right. roles. We try to use covenantal languages mm-hmm. because if we just tried to org chart it, I think it would set us up yeah. for a lot of failure. Sure. Um, because if we went into it thinking like we got to fully prepare for this, get a contract ready, get it, <laughs> protect ourselves, do prenumps, whatever that is, <laughs> when it falls apart. But, but we really, frankly, that's what a lot of churches are doing. Well, that's I what mean, we uh, were. To- that's what yeah. we were told to yeah. do, even by other yeah. you know pastors and leaders, because the likelihood. And and I, I'm not trying to you know speak negative, but I. There's not a lot of great examples, and I just sat down with a team, a friend of mine who tried to do it, who just broke apart their their co-lead deal, and the church went through a massive split. And yeah. There is a lot of nightmare stories, and I, I totally get it. When we went into it, that was a lot of the stuff we heard um, and they were saying, man, get, you know, get in writing a lot of stuff as we sat down as elders, cause it's not just Wayne and I, right. um, there, you know, the, as we sat down as elders and prayed through it, it was more of like, we've got to commit to this. So I, we, one of the phrases that Wayne alluded to that we continue to use is this will only work as we stay humble. Yeah. Uh, one, once yeah. we start to get prideful or want to build our own kingdoms, um, and don't believe in the unity of Wayne and myself and all the elder team, then what will end up happening is we will find reasons to not, you know, to right. pick each other apart. Right. So he uses the marriage language or covenant language, and we, we continue to use that language because we believe, you know, it will be difficult. People have warned us about that. We didn't go in thinking it wasn't going to be. But built into covenant language is the the is the anticipation not even the desire for it but the anticipation for no matter what happens right. we're committed to each other right. and, and one of one of the beautiful things is like like Aaron said a few minutes ago is that uh, we are a part of a, a, a team so there's not a lot of things where it's like that's just a a, a Wayne decision that's just an Aaron decision right. but but things are like we all become the face of this team yeah. right. um, we become the the, the 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 arms and legs in a lot of ways of the team so there's a lot of things that there is like much prayer about much counsel about and then like okay who'll be best to walk into that and then you know, so that's shaping a lot of what we're doing, and none of us are just like, just like running and doing our own thing, like Lone Rangers. This, this humility, dying to self, and a lot of seeking, Lord, what are you doing, mm-hmm. and uh, submitting to to that. So you'd say you are an elder ruled church, not congregational, obviously. Right. Yeah. And sure. then you're part of an organization. Yeah, that has the presbyters or the elders there that oversee the whole operations. Right. So, yeah. like, not only are Wayne and I on a local yeah. elder team, so Submitted there's to six. Them. Yeah. yeah, and all of us. So Wayne and I are not the like typical leaders of the church, but we would even, as he said, say there's a body of elders. Each right. one functions with different gifts. Right. Yes. We're just the face. Uh huh. 
And the reason why we felt like it needed to be a diverse face or a plurality of lead pastors is because our community is diverse. Right. I don't think I, as if I really want to minister to the neighborhood that I'm in and be, I don't think I, as just a, a white middle class kind of man can represent and even minister accurately by myself. Like I, it's not good for me to do it alone. Um, And so for us together as a representing face of our community, and there's still other other people that aren't represented, and we're praying for more right. leaders, you Absolutely. know, um, to be a, let's say, a part of the leadership, and not just under me, because one of the things that's been really difficult is you're going into reconciliation conversations, and we could pass by this data, or you could press into it, whatever, but it's harder for, uh, at least in America, for white leadership or white people yep. to submit to uh, to African-American or brown leadership or whatever. It's harder for them to submit. So we felt like it wasn't good for him to just kind of be my associate, but that we needed him to be at the top level of leadership for us to really accurately go, we all got, we were submitting to one another. He's not just my employee. So the, since this is a podcast. Yeah. And they don't see pictures. Right. Uh, what is unique about this relationship? Oh, the color of our skin, the backgrounds, right, right, the type right. of jobs we've had. Yeah. We couldn't be more different. I mean, I, so you're, so, you're Wayne is African American. Yeah, I'm African American. Okay. Um, I, I and you I, came from um, African American. My or my parents are immigrants from Jamaica. Yeah. Um, my, my mother's illiterate. My dad was deported. Um, grew up on just um, food stamps, extremely, extremely poor. My mother survived by um, cleaning homes. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then, yeah, gangs. um, Yeah. yeah. And, and for me, that was my, that was the life. That's what I got into. Um, definitely, like, like I had to have, be in a gang in order to survive survive when I was growing up. Yeah. So you just, like, you, you join, you know, and you know, and that shaped and formed a lot of a lot of things, and and dealt with all the stuff as 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 an African American growing up in a predominantly African American part of town, like yeah. the school that I went to, yeah. uh, it was probably like one percent white, and and most of it was African Americans and Puerto Ricans, yeah, you know, and. And then, um, then you, you factor in um, Islam, a nation of Islam. So totally opposite totally side opposite. of the tracks. Yeah. And and then seeing like, all right, well, God would, would would bring me over here. And then you look at Aaron, and you know, and he can share where where he came from and stuff. And and we're looking at what God has brought him over here and stuff. Right. Well, and the, the realities of like. Him being a part of the black conscious community, him growing up with a, you know, uh, an awareness of all the injustices that yes. are happening in, in, in the <coughs> right. world right. Um, and in America, particularly the, the feeling that it is to be in those communities. For me, it was all just by working in these neighborhoods that I started to learn. I didn't this was not the way I was raised. Right, know? right. We were in, you know, middle class environments. There was a lot of reconciliation conversations. You moved overseas after, you know, I was already out of the house. Huh. So even a lot of your, you know, cross cultural 
ministry I wasn't really a part of at a young age, but I was in, you know, a, a right. suburban community going to, you know, a school off of a military base and just in a fairly, you know, comfortable life growing up with a lot of really incredible community and support and parents and all of that. And so coming into an inner city environment was an eye-opening experience. For right. Me. It's like, it is a cross-cultural experience. It is, it is. And and you you understand that big time. Going yeah. to another nation, you don't just go there and minister to them. Right. That's not how it happens. Exactly. You go there and literally start to experience a whole new way of living. Yeah. And that is that's so different than what you're used to. But then you start to see, actually, in a lot of ways, we have way more to learn from those communities and yeah. global yeah. communities yeah. and way more to learn than we have to offer. And if you go in with that posture, you start to realize, like, man, I need to be not just a, you know, a good preacher. I've got to be a good, a good cross-cultural minister. I've right. got to be a good missionary. Yeah. I've got to yeah. learn how to learn from others. So what are some of the major challenges that you've had to overcome in this relationship? Um, I just think I'm better at everything than Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I have that kind of challenge. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> challenge for me is that I'm good at everything. And uh, Wayne is just... <laughs> the biggest challenge I have is that I got, I got to do this with a weirdo next to me all the time. I'm like, Lord... <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> <Mercy>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the biggest challenge is, is the reality of I did it for, uh, let's say, alone, quote unquote, by myself for so long yep. that you have to learn to you have to learn a new a new way of leading. Right. And I would say this. Wayne and I talk about this often. I would love to spend more time because there's a ton of research and things out there that tell you how hard it is. Yeah. There's so much that I'm telling you, when you step into kind of these shared leadership, everybody will give you what's so hard about it. Or when you go into inner city environments, they'll tell you what's so hard about it. One of the things Wayne and I have been trying to do is kind of press the narrative of everything that is good is extremely costly, extremely mm. costly. Mm. And if you only talk about how much it costs, you better end that with talking about that it's better and it's worth the cost. Yeah, yeah. When God tells us, when Jesus tells us to count the cost, when Paul talks about the costs of the things that he did, it wasn't to say, figure out if it's worth it or not. It was to right. say, it's worth it and it's gonna cost you everything, but it's better, it's, it's, yeah. it's far better. Exactly. So there is challenges. It's just the challenges of like, of two different people becoming one. It's, right. it, you know, it's the challenges of being in relationships and having to die to self daily. It's the challenges yeah. of who makes, who, who, if we see things differently, how do we work through those? Right. Um, it's the challenges of, wanting to wanting to lead in your own expression more or whatever that may be those challenges though are like nothing compared to all the benefits that we receive a lot of those, a lot of those are, are, are good challenges though because they, they, they it forces you 
um, constantly to, to to ask like, well, who's running the ship? And it's God, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. there's 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 this constant that's that's dying to self because you desire to see God on um, your side, you know. So there's a constant of 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 checking your own heart and checking your own um, motives, you know, and you know. So so you have that, and then um, the next um, challenge is I would say would probably would be people trying to find a mold to fit it in right. and, and and can't find one right. and stuff you know that's so point. that's the the, the the walls that they keep running up into and and we need to keep and we need to keep pushed back to like covenant realities that that don't fit into um the categories and and, and molds that you may have inside of your yeah. mind yeah and so. the other the other challenge is like people in the church or community or people outside want to find who's the one who actually right. has power or right. authority, <laughs> right? And try and try to find cracks in the right. leadership. Um, and you know, I want to talk to the guy who's got the final right. say, kind of thing. Um, you, when you live in a society that is power hungry, yeah, you want to cozy up to the one who has right. the most power. What we've tried to do, and I don't know if we've done it perfectly, but I feel like with the help of the elders and our community support. And just Wayne and I's relationship is look at like the Trinity mm-hmm. and how the Father, Son, and Spirit relate to one another, and try and emulate that relationship yeah. in our leadership. Right. And just going, the Father and the Son and the Spirit were all one, fully one, but distinct. So they were yeah, different. Yeah. There's a distinction, and there's a mysterious union. They go, but they refuse to be known separate from each other. Yeah. Yeah. So they won't be known as three separate beings. They want to be known as one. Right. And there's a mystery in that. But in that reality, they're very distinct and have different roles. And so what we've tried to do is go, what is it that Wayne has that 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 I couldn't do? And what is it that I have that Wayne is not gifted in or, or doesn't have? And how can we walk in those in our strengths and gifts and callings and then what are the things that we share that we can uh let's say glorify or honor the other so outdo one another in showing honor yeah yeah um rather than trying to bring you know so you would see the father always saying look to the son look to the spirit you would see the son saying look to the father look to the spirit you'd say the spirit they would like out glory one another they wouldn't try to hog the glory for themselves So we're trying to live that. And I would say the benefit is I think it's made us better leaders. Yeah. I, I do. I think it's made us better yeah. leaders. It, it caused us to slow down and have to, like, work through some stuff where you kind of get headstrong and just think whatever call I make is the call. It's forced us to really have to slow down and pray a lot more. Absolutely. A lot more prayer. A lot yeah. more prayer. That slowing down forces you to really, like, See the the value the value and beauty of of those that are around you that you could have just ran quickly ahead, yeah. and you end up realizing like, man, it's so good that I slowed down right. because what ended up happening um is way better, you know. So you start to to, to value the team more, you value the union yeah. more, yeah. value the giftings of the other and stuff that become like um. You know, when to 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 my flame, or or he becomes like when to 
or I become like one to his flame. These things that come together to 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 be stronger and display like what God looks like even more. Yes, I I know appreciate what you guys are experiencing because uh, Pastor Allen and I had yep. a lot of that. We even chose to live together yep. wow. as uh, different nationalities to better relate, learn to give in, yeah. learn to humble, yes. learn yes. to not always be right, learn to learn from the others. And, so good. Yeah. Um, I appreciate what you're saying because this is so crucial to our ministry and the people out there that are going to be listening to this to understand the value of this because we call ourselves... A, international yeah so we tell our pastors you can't speak your language mm -hmm. in a service especially if there are people from other nationalities uh, there because they're yeah. from all over the world so they have to humble themselves and speak in a language that's not their first language mm, yeah and then learn to relate to other cultures themselves that's and right. it's not easy it's yeah. not easy especially when you're long way out of your comfort zone, your even communication abilities. Right. So um, those are other barriers they face, and yet they fight for that unity, and I, yeah. I appreciate that. Well, and I think that you're, well, I've been out there and know Pastor Allen and Grace and the whole family out there, and the, the beauty of it for me is how since you went there, your desire was like, I'm, we need to meet people who are, different and local so they can minister like knowing I can do what I can do you yeah. you can do what you yeah. can do but alone you wouldn't be as effective um, oh no and, no and, way and there is not like there's not it takes a lot of humility to go I'm not just going to build something up and I do think in this transition time of you moving here and and you taking care of mom and all these kinds of things as hard as that is if you wouldn't have thought with Alan and, and developed those culture of, of kind of this plurality of team, you guys wouldn't be able to navigate through this. Mm, no. And 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 it wouldn't have remained sustainable. You, it would have closed down with you. And so I, I just think for all of those reasons, it is better. It's it's far better, and it forces all, all you guys to to grow. And I, I I would hope that with Alan, the team, and everybody out there, and I know you guys are praying through this, that you'll continue to raise up local, you know, indigenous yeah. leaders and work in plurality because I think those are the churches that are going to last a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're going to last a long time. So both of you would say this has made you better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I, I'd have to say for me, definitely made me a better pastor, a better person. Yes. Yeah. Uh, deeper vision and passion for those around me. Uh, it's been humbling, that's for sure. Uh, how has the church received this unique union? I, man, I could say from my perspective, one lang language that we, you, you know, Dad, we use all the time here is family. Um, this church is truly a family of, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, dysfunction. There's a lot of grace that's needed. But for... When Wayne stepped into that role, there was big changes that took place. But for the most part, 
I feel like, and Wayne, you can speak into this mm-hmm. too, I feel like the least amount of resistance we received was from our local community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They felt like they're like, I mean, even our kids, my kids and Wayne's kids were like, oh, I thought that's what you were already doing. <laughs> literally, yeah. it literally Both had of our that kids language, said that. the same thing. <laughs> Wait, what's different? I don't yes. understand what's the difference. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're just calling yourself a lead pastor now? And, and, yes. and he says, oh, okay. It literally, for the people in our church, did not feel different. Yeah. It actually felt like right. Yeah. Um, outside, people try to figure it out. Inside, it hasn't felt that way. At yeah. least to me. Right. At least to me. Yeah. Right, right. No, that's absolutely true. Outside people definitely trying to, like, understand it. But it's sort of like someone outside trying to understand how your family works, yeah. you know, um, from from the outside. But I feel like um, just in the family, our, the, our, our body that, that God has given to us, yeah. um, I, I felt like um, for, for many people it was... Um, it was helpful yeah um, for many people it was it was more of a, de- a deal like this is just a further display of of what we've been talking about and preaching and living into and I felt like it was really encouraging in in, in ways of what it takes to, to live into what we're talking about and not just be talking about it so I've, I I I from from the, from the body, there's been very little things that's like, hey, that was tough and that was bad. For the most part, I feel like it was more give people more around a vision, more helpful, yeah, um, than anything else. I think we're two years now, Dad, with this right change. Mm-hmm. One one of the things that I would say is Wayne is an incredible pastor. I mean, yeah. he's a yeah. great preacher, incredible pastor, and has the patience. I don't think any other guy could have done it, if I'm honest. Yeah. To step into a role where I've been pastoring this community for 15, 15 years yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes a lot of humility on his part to be able to go, I'm going to step into a place where he's already been doing it mm-hmm. and try and work through the bumps of people thinking, wait a minute. Yeah. What are we? What are we doing? Why was it broken? What's the problem? Yeah. Um, and what does this mean for Aaron? And what's the changes and the preaching changes and all those kinds of things? But Wayne navigated through it. Incredible. And what's happened over the last two years? The fruit of it is we've diversified even more. Oh yeah. Um, we've had more and more um, of people of of color from different backgrounds um, be able to connect with the community because they sure. see somebody who represents them yeah. and yeah. represents them well. A father figure who has, so we've deepened in our diversity, we've deepened in our our pastoral care and help, reconciliation talks. So <coughs> I feel like even after two years, it's only grown our community in real yeah. ways. We've, yeah. we've grown numerically, we've, we've grown financially, we've grown in ways that we never predicted, yeah. Yeah. but we've grown in every way since Wayne's right. come on. So I think the proof is a little bit in the in the pudding in the sense of like, in every way God has grown us um, since Wayne has stepped into that role. Sadly to me, but I don't know, maybe you know cases that I don't know, but I, I don't know any other congregation where there's a shared lead pastor between uh, racially mixed pastors. Do you? I know 
two places. I know two places. Two. But that's be I had to dig. And, and yeah. you know, like when you buy a car, you start seeing <laughs> yeah. you start seeing cars. You're like, wait a minute, I thought I was the only one <laughs> yeah, who had yeah, this car. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Wayne and I, when we started, yeah. didn't know if there was other ones. Yeah. There's one church plant we know of in the Bay Area called Tapestry. In and San we actually, Francisco. Yeah, out in the Bay Area. I think it's San Francisco, but I it's, it might be outside, like Oakland. I think it's Oakland. Oakland? Okay. Yeah, called yeah. Tapestry, and not just a new f- kind of relationship. And then um, there's one, and I think it's called Fellowship Church. I think it's called Fellowship Church. I, I'm, I don't want to yeah, be quoted yeah, on that. Yeah. But there's a couple that we know of. Yeah. But that is because, but it's very, it's very, um, very rare. Yeah. yeah. I've, not, I've not seen it on TV for sure. Right. I yeah. don't know. You know, I don't yeah. associate no. or right. yeah. worship leaders right. or right. For sure. right. whatever, right. but not really yeah. co-lead yeah. pastors who yeah. are literally, you guys are demonstrating that it's not just uh, a title, you're actually living it out. I mean, yeah. you could say this is uh, two lead pastors, but one happens to be a stronger lead. No, you guys have really demonstrated at least to me and to this yeah. congregation, I think uh, a real shared relationship. And Thank you. Um, Thanks. I, I, let's shift this just a little bit. Okay. Uh, what do you think are some of the major challenges that the church is facing today, especially in the West? I mean, that's where you guys are living, working, <clears throat> serving. So, And our, our, the guys that will be listening to this, obviously, are highly influenced by Western church. Right, right. And it, they read their books. They see them on TV. Uh, YouTube, wherever. So um, they're highly influenced by Western church all over the world. No matter where I go, no matter where we serve, no matter where we're planting churches, our greatest challenge is not to look like the Western church. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. That is a huge issue. Yeah. Because even our pastors are being pulled toward that success. Yeah. That's success. I look like that. Right. And so they want to be like that instead of um, fulfilling what God's called them to do and Absolutely. touching their nations and not being screwed up by <laughs> our mess ups. So, wh- what do you see as some of the major challenges facing the church here, especially in the West, Wayne? Yeah, I think I think one of the things that's a really big major challenge is uh, the church uh, not um, cognitive of how much we have conformed to the idolatries of the West. Right. Yeah. And so yes. what becomes um very, very difficult, even as you talk about um the type of influence that the church in the West has, then so A, the church isn't 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 aware how steeped in idolatry it has become, how much it's conformed yeah. to the to the idolatry of the West. And then Taking the gospel, taking its ex- its explanation of the gospel, and displaying it out to others, and it's in the shape and form of the, those same idolatries, yeah. so that what people end up taking in and digesting and saying that's what we should look like, it becomes this this yeah. this um this awkward form of Christianity that's been um so influenced by idolatry without even realizing the like the depths of it. So I feel like that's the biggest challenge of of pointing out how much idolatry that's in the West and how it's um how how it's um shaped 
the church more than the church. I say um, the culture and in, in, in many ways. And yeah. I don't think many people are aware of that. And so I think it's a and the idols. The about. idols are so so like it, it, there's so many, but I mean the major ones are power, mm-hmm. money, yeah, and you know those kinds of things that are the very thing that you're alluding to. They love the American church loves influence and power, yeah, and money. Um, they love it, and they use it as an easy measurement for its health. Yeah. Um, it's an easy measurement. How much money, how much influence, how much reach, how much people. And the indicators of discipleship are, are different than that. And what I love about what you guys are doing across the world is this multiplication through discipleship mantra, if you will, or this how do we multiply disciples and what we use here is healthy disciples, not just the word disciples, oh, but yeah. healthy disciples. And I think we say you know, healthy disciples produce healthy disciples. Right. Sick disciples produce sick disciples. Absolutely. And that, I think that's where <laughs> when you talk. believe in the power of discipleship like you guys do, just be careful of who's discipling you. Yeah. I mean, Boy. I, I would just say if the West is discipling the nations on how to do church, just be careful. I, and, and here's where I would, this would be my warning on that, is I think discipleship is life on life. You can't yes. let people across an ocean who you're not doing life on life with fully and truly disciple you um, because of these realities of you don't know. You don't know. So I was talking to a, a, a man who came from Africa. We were at a conference together and he spent all of his money to come out here. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, hey, is it worth it? And he said, no. He said, no, it wasn't. He said, I, I read all the books. I've gone to these things. I thought when I got here, there would be such a passion and a zeal mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. desire to worship. This was right, him right, saying this. Right. And I get here and they're dead and they're, they don't have any life in them. The spirit's not moving in ways. Mm. I just thought, how can you have this many resources and not be living? Right. So I would say the biggest struggle with the American church or the Western church for me is embodiment. Uh, we can yeah. preach a big thing. We can write books. We can put resources together. But the embodiment is so far off. And that's where, yes. for us, we're trying to press into how do we talk? How can we preach a gospel that reconciles all nations yeah, and, and, don't do and not be reconciled? Yeah. Because if you're not embodying that right. message, this is why Jesus came. The gospel is not just the word. The gospel is the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus came in flesh. The word had to embody itself yeah. and demonstrate what love was because it couldn't just be written on stone tablets it had to be placed in flesh and lived out amongst and put onto his disciples and the spirit dwelling in them and then those people sent out it wasn't just god said here it wasn't just jesus said to the disciples here's the bible uh-huh now go right yeah right that wasn't what happened right. it was I'm going to show you, I'm going to embody it, and I'm going to breathe in you, and I'm going to give you my so words, true. and I'm going to be with you always, so right. and I'm going to walk this out with you. Where the church is not missing it in the West is proclamation. It's right, demonstration. Right, right, it's right, the, right, right, right. It's the embodiment of what we say we believe, and that's why it can deceive other nations, because you don't see our embodiment. You only see our proclamation, and, that's, and, and you think we're smart, 
but it's not going the way yeah, <laughs> it's not no. going the way that we say it's supposed to be going. And that that is literally like before I became a believer, that right there, that talk about abiding me was is is literally on one of the things why it was it was like it was taught and said not to become a Christian yep. because the words that would use to talk about this embodiment was like liars. Yes. Right? You know, like yes. they're liars. They just want to trick you. Yeah. Right? And stuff because there wasn't an embody embodiment of what was being talked about. So there was tons of people that was looking for an alternative. It wasn't that there was a good game being talked. It was like, you guys are seeming like liars because I don't see you actually living into the, the implications of these things. And, you know, we, we think you just want to trick us. So that's a that's a big thing. So that's thing. when you were looking at through the lenses of From, right, Islam. Right, yeah, right. Ab exactly. Absolutely. Right. These are the type of things. It was like, yeah, they're liars. It's so yeah. In some ways, it's accurate prophetic insight mm -hmm. from other people right from other religions or whatever where they're seeing the complete inconsistencies and yeah. it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that there's not benefits or good things right but there is a lot of there's a lot of emphasis on our cultural idols being the thing that should determine whether or not we're living our faith out there's not much counter-cultural realities another story dad that i think is interesting you can edit these out but this one was i was driving with a west african guy in a lift the other day um and i asked him what is different about moving here and he said you have to learn to do everything alone when i lived in west africa i everything we did was together it was communal it was relational mm. it was we did, i moved here and i had to do everything by myself i go to work i sit in my house I watch TV, I go to bed, I wake up, I go to work. Nobody knows me, nobody cares about me. Wow. That is the narrative wow. of the Western, of the Western church. Yeah. We, and Western life. And Western yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody cares. You can live in a neighborhood for 25 years and not know your neighbors. And yes. not know your neighbors, but, but if you go to a big church. Yeah. You're you don't good. know your name. You're a Christian. Yeah, you know, and you won't even you, you don't know them. Yeah, I, I'm not. The size doesn't. The size can be a, a sign of growth. Like it could be like God is blessing sure, you, sure. or it could be. Yeah, it could be just us going, man, we're successful. But how deep is the faith of those that are there? How how are they being discipled? What are they pressing into? And it can become, if you will, for some, not everybody, but for some, it can become a facade right. and go, but I'm not doing life-on-life -life discipleship. Right. I'm not right, in right. an actual family of God. Yes. I'm not like being confronted on sin in my life. I'm not, you know, even generous with my time or my yeah. resources. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these things that are a part of the faith of, of being a follower of Christ, right. not as a checklist that yeah. says right. if you don't right. do these things, but it's the outflow of knowing Christ right. and his spirit's breath within us. So I just, I would just go from a distance we look better than we actually are. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. And that's why yeah, I think yeah, yeah. the West, I'm praying, and I told you this, I think last night, Dad, my prayer is that as the church becomes, as we move into a post-Christian world where it's less and less popular in America to be a Christian, which is yeah, where sure, it's going and sure. all the trends are going in that direction, I would pray that the global church 
would see its prophetic role in helping the American church learn what it's like to live as a Christian in a post-Christian era. Because I think the global church has been doing it for way longer than we have. And we have a lot to learn. Good. Yeah. Um, Give me one thing, both of you, that is a challenge that the inner city church, that what you see is a major challenge the inner city church is facing. One thing. One thing. I'll start. You want me to start? Or you yeah, want to go, start? Ahead, go ahead. I'll just say one thing that we talk about often is that when someone is raised without means mm-hmm. or without education or without, mm-hmm. Scripture says they start to feel like yeah. they don't have anything significant to offer. Yeah. And we see a lot of insecurity. And so when they come into a body, they feel like unless I have money, education, whatever, they, they feel like insignificant and they don't see their value yeah. because money still gives us their value and they even have bought into those lies and so what we're trying to preach against especially with those who are in inner city environments is I want them to see their worth outside of how much money they can make yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and that they play a huge role in absolutely. the body of Christ as as viable parts and so right. we try to preach to those who are in neighborhoods like this you belong, you are, you are valuable, rise up into the roles that God's yeah. called you to and preach against kind of the, the insecurities that many of them are facing as they've been marginalized by society. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so that's a, a really big thing. So wanting to encourage inner city churches, um, to, 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 to not, not to, um, to, to, to lessen or overlook um, the power of being faithful to God, wow. right? Just just being faithful. And that, like, that's powerful in and of itself, whether it's um, a small inner city church um, or not, but not to overlook the power of being faithful and, 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 to, and not to, to, to measure, um, not, to, not to measure your, your success and what you're doing by um, these standards right. of idolatry no, and stuff. Yeah. Don't measure it by 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 that. Measure it by faithfulness. Measure it by like sticking in to what God is doing and stuff, but not measuring it by how much cash. You how much cash you got? How big your church looks? How and powerful you are. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's but good. instead that. That I'm, 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 we're staying in because there's a lot of people that are that are impacted in the community more than what you actually see present inside of your church, that's yeah. and that's um, that's important for you to to continue to stay faithful. And a lot, a lot of them are like your your pastors, Dad. I mean, a lot of our friends in our neighborhoods, they're not full time paid by the church yeah, these you guys, know, are, these guys are working other jobs yeah. you know and Wayne has worked years this is yes. now for the you know first time he's been vocationally a pastor I worked for years I have now other ministry opportunities that God's opened up but I'm telling you most of our friends 70-80% of them are not paid by this so yeah. they have to they have to see Brave this. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and your guys are doing the same yeah. thing. And you got to have this deep sense of calling, but you also can't allow that to define you. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It doesn't make me less because I have to work another job. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we got to kind of bring this around uh, to conclusion. And I would like to ask you 
I, I wish we had more time because I would like to split this actually and <laughs> get into uh, your vision and some of the things that you Maybe do. you'll have us back, Dad. Uh, Maybe you'll uh, like this one, one day, so one much day. that this will uh, boost your ratings is, so is the much. This beginning of summer and I won't, you guys are going to be running everywhere. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe this this episode gets well, so much traction, you come back for I us. hope so. Okay, good. I hope so. <laughs> maybe you'll actually get 200 listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll oh, get wow. out there. We'll have, hey, what are they going to go your, viral? It's going to go viral. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what advice would you give a pastor who's desiring to start a church in the city? Hmm. Oh, Don't! I, no! <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, would, I would seriously, I think the benefit of planting in a neighborhood like ours, and, and uh -huh. Wayne, Wayne didn't plant in, in, in the neighborhood, although he's worked in churches in, in our neighborhood and mm -hmm. was raised up into this role. So he went a different path then, but a lot of the guys that are planting are not planting in neighborhoods like so if if you're going to start something here's what here's what I would right. here's what I would really press into is if you're going to get something off the ground you've got to slow down and mm. not not feel this huge pressure to get this thing growing so fast right just get into the community start loving people start serving people Start caring and let God bring the increase. Let God bring and build the kind of family that he's want. And that practice of waiting and patience and prayer is actually better for them. So I would say they have to know they're called, but I just wish every pastor knew they were called and weren't just doing this for a paycheck, you know. So what about the guys that are coming in with these organizations and they're being told you got two to five years to be self-sustaining? Yeah, three years mm -hmm. is the is the is the group that's the standard. I think that has to be changed. Yeah. So I wow. not only do I think it has to be changed, I think it is a complete neglect of of the church planting movement has to hear that if you're gonna say that then you also have to answer to God for mm. where churches are going to be planted are only going to be in neighborhoods that can sustain in three years. Yeah. And I would say the reason why we're seeing neighborhoods that are forgotten is because of that. We're not giving real runways. So if we're going to say, let's support a guy to go into a, a hood, we've got to get a long-term vision and go, we're, we'll support you, but you're going to be there for a long time and we got your back. Yeah. Don't put the pressure on them. Yeah. yeah. Don't put like the same standards that you're going to put on. Unreal expectations. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. And and I hope that churches start doing that, dad, but I'm just I'm just I'm we can't wait for the suburban church to start funding to get more churches in the inner city. I think it's got to God has to raise up real called people who are willing to do it if they get funding or if they don't. Yeah. That's yeah, so true. That's, that is very true. Well, what encouragement would you guys give to our pastors and leaders who are serving on the front line of ministry? What would you say to them? They're out there. They're working. Some of them are in very poor communities. Um, literally, we have guys that sell a pig in order to come to the mm -hmm. conference. Right. Um, they, they live in from day to day. Yeah. And uh, they love Jesus. They're committed to their communities. Uh, we have one guy that 
He's built a church up on the side of a mountain. Literally, his house is on the side of a mountain. Yep. Hmm. And if you go up to Charlie's house and his church, the church up there where uh, Life Connection Church up there, yeah, out of Baez, if you go there, um, they built a, a roof and 100, 150 people gather. Hmm. Coming out of the woods and off the side of the mountain to come worship Jesus. It's beautiful. And uh, yet, he drives a little motorcycle cart mm. to get around to make a little money to help pay. He's got a daughter, wants to go to college. He's got, you know, if you look outside his house, a little pig pen there where that helps pay some of the bills and helps feed. But he loves the Lord. He's, yes. No matter what, he's committed. Yeah. So there's a that's just one, and there's a whole bunch yeah. like that. What encouragement would you give to them uh, as they serve out there? Yeah. First, I, w- I would I just want to say thank you. Yeah. Right. Thank you um, for what for what you're doing and the encouragement that I want to give with that 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 gratitude of thanks is that. Um, you are seen and you are not alone. Mm. Yeah. Right? You are seen and you are not alone. So how you continue to live into this is is in the reality of knowing that you're with God and you're doing this and stuff, whether it's small, whether it's big, um, and and you're relying on his power and his grace. And and and, and just let that alone be your measurement stick and let God continue to take you in that and stuff. So Thank you. Yeah. You are seen. Know that and stuff. That and, and you are not. You are with God in what you're doing, and can just continue to be faithful to Him in in whatever context that looks like, and ask God to continue to show you what that is. Yeah, amen. Well, and I would I would just echo that. That I would just say, I wish those were the big name celebrity guys. I wish that those were the ones that had more influence. Right. But there's a reason why God has us in these places. And when we know that we're seen, I would just say press into a couple things that have helped Wayne and myself as we've navigated through this. Press into the discipline of contentment. Yeah. Mm. Learning Mm -hmm. to be content in all places. Um, And knowing that when we can learn to abase and abound and we can do this through Christ who gives us strength. We're actually <clears throat> depending on Christ in ways that I would hope that I would hope they would see as a benefit. Like that is yes, a benefit right. to learn to depend on Jesus right. in that way. The second one would be the discipline of, of gratitude. Go off somewhere and just begin to thank him for all the wonderful riches that God has poured out upon you. That has helped me, and I'll tell you where I learned it. I learned it globally. Mm-hmm. I did not learn it in the yeah, West. Yeah, yeah. When I went with you, Dad, to different places, I walk into the most, if it was in the States, the most humble, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> impoverished communities. And the Christians there would show it with such thankfulness and such, like, gratitude for all that they have. But if it was here, and I'm not, I'm not saying it, that I see it this way. If it was here, people would go, this isn't up to standard. Absolutely. I can't worship in this space. Yeah. And you took me in the Philippines, yeah. and you took me to this little house, and they were just like this little room. The AC, was, I was sweating like crazy. <laughs> and they showed us around there like it was a mega church. Yes. Mm. And the, the gal there, what was her name? The gal there, that pastor. Anna. Anna. She showed it to us like, 
check out this that God's given to us and was beaming. And I learned gratitude, not in the West. Thanking God for what he's giving to us. That gratitude will navigate you through the seeming that you're not doing it enough or yeah, you don't have enough good. or you're having yeah. growth. If you yeah. can sit back and just begin to think, so Wayne and I, we, we have a good sized church now. I would say it's not huge, but it's a good sized church now. Yeah. It's grown over the years. God's blessed us, given us a yeah. building. Yeah. We could always though look out and go, why don't I have that? Yeah. Yes. Why can't my salary be more? Yes, why does I absolutely. have to work another job? Why does this right. We can always even compare mm. ourselves to the other congregations in redemption and go, why do they get that? Or why do they have this? Right. Or why do we have to? But that is not the heart that we want to have, nor do I think it's the heart that God's called us to have. Mm. I think he wants us to look at all that he's richly blessed us with and be so thankful that we get to have this. Yeah. And yeah. be so overwhelmed. that yeah. Look at what God has placed in our hands. I really, I really know that there's more difficulty, more struggle out there and even the stories you tell. But I also know that I think there's a richer faith, a deeper trust in Christ and more of a, a heart of gratitude and joy than I'm seeing with with people who have oh, wow. a lot. So much, right. You know, so I just say thank you for the example. Thank yeah. you for teaching me mm-hmm. and continue to practice the things that you, that you know are going to keep you encouraged in Christ. Absolutely. You've been pastoring, you said, 17 years. What would you say to these guys is one thing that has sustained you through 17 years as a pastor? What? Yeah. Because you've gone through disappointments, hurts, mm. heartaches, mm. people you love, trusted, left, or whatever. What has sustained you? Why didn't you quit? A couple of things. The spirit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, for We all. need a a huge emphasis on the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has been so faithfully filling me and when I feel empty and dry and go to Him. So I don't know how churches do it without the Spirit. Two would be, or even a huge emphasis on how much we need the Spirit. Yeah. Um, Two would be community. Um, Yeah. Have good friends in your life. I, I was raised in a whole group or tradition that just thought as a pastor you got to be alone um and i reject that thought Mm. i don't feel like i'm good alone amen um loneliness almost killed me depression almost you know ate me alive but i had to force myself into going no i am first a child of god i'm first a brother in christ before i am some you know mega leader I gotta have brothers. So people like Wayne, the elders of the church, yeah. presbyters, leaders, community in my life have held me. They have like encouraged me, prayed for me. So get friends in your life, be in community, be a part of the family of God. Um, and then last would be just don't give up. Yeah. <laughs> just stay. You know, just stay, just stay at the table. Like, um, don't give up, don't walk away, don't grow weary in doing good, because in due season, you will reap. You know, like the giving up is the is the the part that that I think, if anything, I I don't think I've done a lot of like really incredible big choices Mm -hmm. that have got me to the place. I think I just stayed longer than most guys. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's helped. 
it's helped us. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys. You are truly family, friends yeah. and family. Yeah. It's a privilege to be a part here at Redemption. And Mom and I love coming here and, and week after part. week. Love you guys. And hearing your, your, you clearly lay forth the Word of God. Wayne, it's been exciting to watch you grow in ministry. Yeah, and thank I'm you, so man. proud of you and what yeah. you're doing here. And as a team, what you're emulating to this community and I think to the Christian community at large. So uh, we are blessed to have them in our lives. Many of you already know Pastor Aaron from the times he's been there. Uh, we hope to get uh, Wayne to come out there one of these days and visit Man. all of you. Yeah. That Man. would be that'd be exciting. Amazing. So we'll sign off for now, uh, and we appreciate uh, this time. Hopefully we'll get you guys back together real soon and we can do some more because I'm really concerned about some of the things that are happening with this whole reconciliation thing yeah. and not happening. <laughs> yeah, no, So sure. uh, I think you guys have a lot to speak into that, but we'll dedicate a whole thing, a whole uh, episode to that if we can at some point. So, um, Wayne, would you close out in prayer and pray Absolutely. for our leaders Absolutely. that are out there, those that uh, are listening, and those that at this point, some of them might be on the verge themselves of mm. giving up. Mm. So pray for them, pray yeah. for their wives and children. Father, Jesus. we thank you. And we thank you specifically for the fact that you are a big God. Yes. Lord, that you that you know all, your arm stretches to no ends, Lord. Father, and I just pray for um, these pastors and these leaders that you've called, Lord. And I ask that you would allow your presence to be made known to them, Lord. That they would feel a closeness to you. They would fill you with them, Lord. So, so even as they go through difficult seasons and times, and even times of feeling discouraged, Lord, that they would fill you with them so that their encouragement would be in you. And their, their sense of, I can continue to go on, would be because you you're with them, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, Lord, that, that, that you would cover their, 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 their families, mm -hmm. Lord. And above all, they would fill your presence with them, Lord. I'll speak to their minds, Lord, where, where, where warfare happens inside of their minds, Lord. Encourages their, their, their thoughts in you. Turn their thoughts back to you, you who've, who've called them, Lord. Oh, Father God, I ask that you'll continue to, 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 to root and rest and, yes, and and anchor their their hope in you, Lord, and, and and what you are doing. Your word says in Philippians that, that that you've started a good work and that you are faithful to complete that work, Lord. Mm -hmm. Father God, and I pray that this is a reality that that will rest on their hearts and on their minds. That 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 you're the one that started the work, not them, That's and right. that you're the one that walks that work through, Lord, and that 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 you're the one that completes it, Lord. Um, so as, as your servants serve you, Lord, oh, Father, I pray that they feel the presence of their king just with them, encouraging them and, and, and building a sense of security in who you are, your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Dad, real quick, just, and you don't have to put this on there, but while Wayne was praying, I just mm -hmm. saw somebody leaning over like a big pot yeah. listening mm -hmm. to this on their mm -hmm. phone. Yeah. And I just... I don't even know what to say except I just felt like God was saying, I see you, and I don't know. 
Yeah. yeah. That means Amen. anything. But I see Amen. him just over a pot doing something in a big and just listening on their phone. Yes. That you need to hear that God sees you. And cares, amen. And cares, amen. amen. God bless. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. When you subscribe to this podcast, you will be informed when a new episode is released. Please leave us a five-star rating if you are encouraged by these podcasts. You can also find our podcast online at lcminetwork.com. If you'd like to receive our newsletter entitled Connect, just drop us an email at info.lccoait.com. Don't forget to join with us as we partner with Journey Coffee to plant churches around the globe. Here's how it works. Go to our website and click on the Journey Coffee link. Every time you purchase some of this incredible coffee, Journey will donate a portion of the cell to LCMI Church Planting. Think about it. This is a double blessing. First, you get some great coffee that you can enjoy as you listen to leadership stuff. And secondly, you'll be partnering with us to raise more funds for missions. This is a win-win situation. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I love you, and I look forward to meeting with you again real soon. God bless.